Welcome to Politics Considered, the show in which we discuss some things political. I'm your host, Bill Gallagher. My guest today is in the West Bank, which is now a war zone. Since the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas, Israeli army raids and settler attacks have killed at least 338 people in the West Bank, according to an AFP tally based on sources on both sides. AFP, or Agence France Per Se, was founded in 1835 and is the world's oldest news service and one of the most reliable in the world. Mr. Mohammed Othman will be joining us from JU's Palestine. JU's is in the West Bank, which is about 80 kilometers or 50 miles from the Gaza Strip, where the most intense attacks have occurred. Now, the West Bank, where my guest lives, is in the war zone. Mr. Mohammed Othman was considered a political prisoner by the international community. He was targeted because of his political activism. He was a volunteer with the Palestinian Grassroots Stop the Wall campaign and advocated for BDS, Boycott, Divest, Sanction of Israel. This put him on the radar, made him a target, and after he returned from meeting with Norwegian government officials on September 22nd, 2009, he was abducted in the Amman airport by Israeli soldiers. He was detained for days without charges or being able to know the reason for his arrest. Most of his time was spent in solitary confinement and all of his appeals were rejected. Over a million people around the world signed petitions. The social media campaign finally worked after four months of unlawful imprisonment. He was finally released on January 12, 2010. Mr. Oddman told me when I interviewed him back in June of last year that he owes his release to the intervention of President Barack Obama and other world leaders. Since his release, he has totally removed himself from activism and has devoted his life to helping children. He started and currently runs Skate Kelia. Located in the northwest region of the West Bank, Calculia is a town of more than 40,000. In June, Muhammad told me that he started the park because there were no municipal parks, very little land, checkpoints, threats, and frankly, not much for kids to do. He, along with others, created something very positive and beautiful in what is now a very bleak war zone. Mohammed has been featured in international media, including CNN, NBC, Harrods, The Huffington Post, and many other outlets for his work. I am now here with Mr. Mohammed Altman. Mohammed, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know this is a very difficult situation. That's an understatement. Uh, first, let me just ask you, how are you and how's your family? Let me be honest with you. It being like a uh, hundred days of, of violence and war and chaos and night raids and uh, it's a mix of everything and uh, you cannot plan your uh, next day. For example, today I was planning to go to Colquilio to get some stuff for the home and for the gears, uh, milk formula and a uh, couple of vitamins the girls and uh, I got stuck at the checkpoint for a couple of hours and it ends up that I get back home without buying what I need for the house so let me let me just explain to our listeners we're approaching Sunday January 14th it's late at night where you are so earlier in the day on Saturday just explain to our listeners what that means you tried to go to like a pharmacy for your young daughters 
you were unable to go because of a checkpoint. Can you just tell us what that, what that means and what it's like? So I'm living in a small village. It's called Jayus uh, village. And uh, we had a pharmacy in my village, but uh, uh, not, not everything we need is, is available, especially after the 7th of October. There are like um, a kind of soldier all over the West Bank. So whatever stuff we, it's finished from the pharmacy, they cannot get it back because of uh, the checkpoints, because of uh, also we cannot import and export. We cannot get stuff from Israel or from since the 7th of October. Everything being closed and shut down, the borders, everything. Uh, especially internationally, we cannot import, we cannot get stuff from outside or from Israel. So uh, the closest place and the closest city for us is uh, Calquilio, uh, which is about 40 minutes driving. So this morning uh, I went to the city just to get uh, the needs uh, for the house and for the little girls, but was uh, a checkpoint at the entrance of the city. Uh, the Israeli army decided like, not to let anyone from the city of Kalkilia, which is the population of about 55,000 people, go in and out, even the visitors from, uh, from the villages around. So I spent about like 45 minutes waiting in the line, and it ends up uh, when we get to the checkpoint, the soldier says <clears throat> the city is closed. So I went back, and this is like uh, the answer for your question and how, how I'm doing. Uh, this is like uh, everybody like in the West Bank, how he's doing. Uh, no planning. You cannot plan your day. You don't know what is waiting you in the road. If you're going out of your house, it's always when we leave the house, we say goodbye. We hug our family, our daughters, our uh, boys, our girls, our wives. Because we are not sure to be honest, especially after the 7th of October. This has never happened in the West Bank to, to face this amount of violence from the Israeli soldiers. They are so violent, they are so yeah. aggressive. I just want to interject something. The West, uh, the, the Western press, the United States press, doesn't focus much on the West Bank, but it, just on Gaza. I think it's fair to say the West Bank is now in the war zone. There have been strikes there. Is that correct? Yes. In Gaza, in Gaza, it's clear for the Israeli army, like, they're using tanks, they're using F-16, the like, uh, airstrikes, like, they're using drones, they're using, they're using, they're using, and the bombing. In the West Bank, it's totally different. And the amount of violence and the way of the Israeli soldiers' behavior against the Palestinian in the West Bank is more violent and that will and that itself makes them to be more violent because they are so angry about what's happening in Gaza. So they reflect their anger against us in the West Bank and their madness of what's going on in Gaza. Like right. I hate to night, talk over you, but it's the night. only way this is going to work with, with the connection. So part of the added complication or difficulty, difficulties in understatement, is the settlers there, right? And there have been attacks yes. by settlers on people in your community. Is that correct? That's that's exactly it. Since like three days, when we are traveling from my village to the city of Kalkilia, we have to go under a bridge, which is like above is a settler road. So we are driving under the ground and the settler will be driving above. So since three days, 
the settler has been standing at the top of the bridge and whenever they see a Palestinian car, they will start throwing store or stones at the cars, break the glasses or, uh, or, or sometimes they shoot at the cars because uh, most of the settlers or you can say 85% of the settlers since the 7th of October, the Israeli government has been weaponized them. They give them weapons and heavy weapons like uh, an M16, like the one that the American army is carrying. So imagine like civilian and a settler who's like 17 or 18 years old driving in his motorcycle and he just decided to stop at the top of the bridge and start shooting. A couple of people being shot and took injured and died or killed by the army and the settler in the area where I'm living during the night especially and the army will come and do nothing to them the Israeli soldiers they cannot talk with the settler and the settler is so violent is so angry and mad nobody is touching them. nobody is reaching their settlement and nobody's attacking them no connection between us and them but they are so violent uh, sorry, and, again and, and we're gonna have some these... talking over each other let me just interject uh when i interviewed um mr moshe chertov in israel and i think you've spoken with him he explained to me that the settlers because of their ultra orthodox yeah. uh, religious exemption do not have to serve in the idf in the military so they don't have any military training and yet they're now weaponized. So that's especially problematic. Is that right? Yes. And that's the problem that they are not trained and they are carrying like heavy weapons. Are they doing training on the Palestinian? That's how they train. Like hunt the Palestinian, shoot at the Palestinian car, shoot at the Palestinian farmers, the, at the Palestinian shepherd. Uh, the people uh, now, since the 7th of October, people don't work in Israel, so they put all their focus and their energy on working in their land, so they come and attack the people in their land. Uh, so imagine you are in your land, and you suddenly look behind you, and you find like 10 boys or 18, 20 years old coming toward you with, with guns and uh, shouting and... Uh, insulting how do you, and, how do you protect uh, and this has happened in my village to be honest there is no way to protect even if you run uh, you run away and they will start shooting or you stand stand and argue with them and within like 10 to 15 minutes the army will come so the army will be standing between you and the settler and they will be shouting and using violence against us to kick us away and to go from our land Oh, you know, like uh, we don't we don't get to, to the land. And I talked with the soldiers myself uh, uh, about accessing and going through the agricultural gate that they built it for us in the apartheid wall. And uh, the soldier was uh, Arab, he's Druzy, and he was speaking with me in Arabic. And he told me because of what's happened in the 7th of October in Gaza, we are not going to open the gates. And I told him, this is the West Bank your problem over there in Gaza. So what has been happening lately is a collective punishment against everyone and there was uh, every Palestinian. The result of that is like more violent has been happening in the West Bank. Almost every night they come and they do night raids, the soldiers, they will start shooting tear gas, sound bombs, rubber bullets, invading the houses. I'll send you a video after we finish the interview of uh, someone house in my village. Last night it was heavy raining 
and the soldiers they come through the field so their uh, their shoes is full of mud they enter into the house they break everything in the houses everything whenever that normally for the 7th of october they enter to my house they don't touch anything they don't break anything they just question me or they take me or arrest me but they don't touch anything since the 7th of october uh. They destroy God. the TV, the oven, the glasses. Uh, they mix the oil with the with the water, uh, the sugar, everything. I'll send you a video of, of, of a case from JUs, and you can see it. And they enter with their shoes. They just break the sofas. They cut it with the knife to check what's inside the sofa. The mattresses, the, like everything. Uh, the shower, like they destroy everything. And this has been uh all over the west bank are you able to work and sustain yourself you know our main income every year is the olive harvest because if when we pick the olive we sell the olive oil and what we make from this olive oil will cover our coast season because we don't make one kilo or 10 kilo or 15 kilo we make like two and a half tons three tons every year we sell like two tons of it and the rest we keep it for our houses for our families and uh, we send it to saudi arabia like to jordan to somewhere outside and this is like uh, it's not the great business it's enough for eating and for 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 covering the main uh, needs for the house this year uh, we could not like not only my family like the whole village we're talking about like the 5,000 people in my village. So what has been happened, like everybody, like poor right now, everybody is like suffering. Let me explain to you one thing. Because of the whole thing is ongoing on the West Bank and especially in small villages that they are totally isolated. And here I'm talking personal and I'm talking like about my personal experience in my village because I never, ever experienced this kind of like situation in my life to be for a hundred days just sitting in the village and and not moving or going anywhere so i have been looking and 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 learning a lot of things from from talking with the people in the village and with the kids when i interviewed you in june we talked about how you were a political prisoner uh, Israel had detained you, Obama helped get you released, and then after yeah. that you withdrew from politics and devoted your life to children. You started Skate Kilia, and let's talk about that now. Talk about Skate Kilia and how is it still functioning in this madness? Yeah, because the kids cannot go out, cannot reach the other cities with their families. Uh, we don't have a park here, we don't have like a playground, we don't have anything so that what I recognize that the, the kids become angry, they become mad, they are jailed at home. They are like forced to be home by the families. And I'm talking with you about my little daughters also, who's like uh, 13 months. Since 100 day, I could not take them out in the street or go with them to my sister house because I don't know what I'm gonna face in the street. Maybe the army will come and start shooting tear gas. So what we've been doing in Skate Kilia, I take the kids myself to the skate park. I give them like 45 minutes to one hour 
to play at the skate park, me and couple of you, we guarding them, we taking care of them. We call their families when they're done playing and their family will come and pick them up and then another family will bring their kids. So the kids become so angry that the kids, they have nowhere to go. Like school is off, everything is off. The families are afraid and scared to, to, to let their kids to go play in the street because in my village where the kids go play in the front of the house in the street, you know. So our kids doesn't go anywhere anymore outside. So they become really angry and mad. And we're trying through Skekilia and through the work that I'm doing uh, in my village, which is like a social work, to help those kids to release their anger by coming into the skate park and skate. And they don't know how to skate, most of them, but they just sit in the skateboard and they just release all the anger inside them by shouting, by playing, hitting each other, like doing, like she, mainly shouting. <laughs> so, so they just shout, like they just play. How do you protect the park? Does the Israeli, Israeli uh, forces, do they not bother the park or how does that work? Sometimes, sometimes because the park is, is like in the west side of the village, sometimes like the, the soldiers, uh, when they are driving at the wall, since the 7th of October, if they see any gathering, they become suspicious and they become crazy. So they will, will be shooting for no reason. Do they leave Skate Kilia, your skate park, do they leave it alone? Uh, it's concrete. They cannot do anything to it, but sometimes time we face that they just shoot a couple of tear gas at us so when we because my village is at the top of the mountain because it's the highest like in the north so what we teach the kids look at the smoke of the tear gas and to go the opposite direction of the tear gas the wind will go to the north the kids will go to the south or if the wind go to the south we tell the kids to go to the north so sometimes the soldiers will shoot tear gas at us. It doesn't reach the, the, the skate park because it's far from the wall. And during the day, the army doesn't come to the village. Normally, the soldiers will come during the night. Are they So we're approaching midnight. Are they around there now? Um, I don't know, but I'm in a group in WhatsApp. So from the village, we created a WhatsApp group uh, to communicate with the with each other at the village and to if there is anything we send to each other. Yeah, so the urgent news is right now, they invaded the city of Kalkilia. So we, we don't know until they enter into the village and start shooting uh, sound bombs or the youth will send uh, a message over WhatsApp uh, to the group of the village. The group we have about like, uh, 800, 600 uh, youth on, on the group. So this group, like for the whole village, for the people who's living in the north, for the people who's living in the south, uh, whoever seen something uh, suspicious around the, the area where he lives, he sent and he say like, oh, we we seen this, the military come from this direction. The army sometimes uh, cut the internet. They use like a special... Uh, system on on, on the, the internet and also the, the 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 telecommunication so so we go to the roofs and we shout to each other we go to the roof and we start to shout to the my neighbor and i tell my neighbor and my neighbor will tell his neighbor and 
the message will reach uh, the whole village. Well, that's good. So you, so most of the airstrikes and violence happens at night. Is there a certain type time of night where you just go in and lock your doors and don't come out? So when we see that the soldiers coming in and start shooting tear gas or sound bombs, we just stay at home. Like we just uh, following what's going on through WhatsApp or going to the roof or watching uh, from the roof where the military jeeps are going and uh, where they are uh, close to. Uh, you, we cannot. We cannot face them. We cannot communicate with them. We cannot speak with them. Like, and if they find like a shop open, they will enter in and break everything. So everybody, when the soldiers come in, everyone will close his house, his shop, his supermarket, whatever open. They just close it and stay inside. <clears throat> so there's the a shortage leave. of food, I imagine, and the markets are yeah. open sporadically. So do you just go there and get whatever they have and then how do they uh replenish do they do they I imagine the roots are limited and the supply chains are limited so do you just get whatever they have yeah during the day like uh now if you go out in the village everything is closed nothing is open now so you need to get all the stuff that you need for the house during the day Vegetables and fruit, uh, we have it like from local, like from Jenin, from, uh, from the main cities. So it's a local stuff. Olives, like meat, chickens, like all of this stuff is like local. Like for us, uh, in my family, we don't buy meat or chicken or stuff because we have a small farm and we have the sheep, we have little chickens, uh, egg if we need milk and stuff like this we like we we are independent with this we we just uh self-help and so uh it's nice it's nice after after many years uh to go back and eat from the land you know people was like forgetting about planting their land and the boss because most of the people in my village and in the West Bank, they used to be independent uh, or on to work in, like not independent. They used to work in Israel, and they forget the, the, the to, to 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 cultivate and to take care of their land. Since the seventh of October, everybody have a small garden. He planted with all the stuff that he need, like a two trees of tomato or cucumber or eggplant or like stuff, pepper or stuff like that. All right. So there are fruits and vegetables. I imagine other things are probably hard to come by, like uh, cleaning supplies and shampoo and soap and things like that. Um, how is your family holding up? You know, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a lawyer and uh, he lives in work and live in Ramallah. He told me that since the 7th of October, the cases of divorce going so high in Palestine. And this is because of people are jobless. People are staying at home. They don't, release, they don't release their anger. So they fight with their wives. They fight with their family. They just uh, get angry uh, at their wives. So the psychological and the psych like problems that has been going on so big. And my friend told me like a lot of men and women 
get to, to the point to come to the court and divorce and leave each other because they cannot handle each other. Uh, the, 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 the man used to work, the woman used to work, now both of them are sitting at home. And no income, there are kids' needs, uh, there are house rent, there are, there are electricity, water, gas, uh, the daily need, food, uh, people, uh, people here. In the West Bank, they start to live under the line of poverty. Like they don't have, they cannot charge electricity. And all of this, all of this left on Israel. It's not enough that you keep buying us, you're cutting everything from us. And now you're coming into our homes, our villages, our cities, our village, and you just want to uh, beat us, arrest us, uh, shoot us, kill us. This is like this is gonna create a massive violence soon in the West Bank. I've been I've been stopped at the checkpoint many times, and I've been talking with the soldiers. I speak Hebrew perfect. I understand Hebrew, and I speak with them sometimes in English, sometimes in Hebrew. It depends on the mood of the soldiers. Sometimes I speak with soldiers who who's, say that, that they are Israeli soldiers. They, they are dressed and, uh, and uh, representing the Israeli government, Israeli army, but they don't speak Hebrew. They speak even Ukrainian or Latvian or like other language. They don't speak Hebrew. Since the 7th of October, they've been like so many volunteers from the Western country are coming and volunteering in the Israeli army. And those soldiers, they don't know, they don't know the geography. They don't know how to communicate with the people. I imagine that the fact that you speak Hebrew is an advantage to you and your personal safety when interacting with the IDF. Sometimes it's, it's, it's good that you speak the language, that you understand what they are talking at the checkpoints. And when they see someone who speak Hebrew, uh, they get less because they will understand this person used to work in Israel and he know Hebrew, so we can communicate with him. So this is helping me sometimes. And sometimes I just start speaking in English when I see them that they are not communicating in Arabic or in Hebrew or, or in other language. So I go to English and they don't understand or they don't speak good English. So they just keep telling me, shut up. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize they had recruited people from Germany and Latvia and Ukraine and other places. Do you know people? I can't tell you these are, I, I can't tell you these, these people are mercenaries. They come to work and do the job and then go. Because this has never happened in Israel to be at the checkpoint. And I'm telling you about a person who born and grew up under the incubation. And I go all my life through the checkpoints and I know how to react and act at the checkpoints. Uh, but since the 7th of October, I totally understand how to go through a checkpoint because we cannot communicate with the soldiers. Soldiers are angry mad so violent before the 7th of october we used to go through the checkpoint we talk with the soldier uh, sometime or they are nice sometimes they are not nice uh, sometimes they say it's closed day you just go back we go back but we never seen the soldiers putting their fingers in the trigger since the 7th of october they are ready willing shot anyone without blinking without hesitating over 300 people in the West Bank has been shot since the 7th of October until now. 
And we're talking about like close to 25,000 people all over the West Bank. Yeah, and I think that that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because it's not just Gaza. You are in a war zone now. And have you been injured? In the past, yes, during like the first intifada. But now, like, no, thanks God. And I don't want to be. I really want to take care of my daughters. But in this recently right now, do you know friends who have been injured? Do you know anybody who's yeah, been? Yeah, from my village, like uh, from my village since the 7th of October until now, like three boys being shot and killed in the village and six boys from the village has been shot in the legs with live bullets and taken by the army. And they are at the Israeli hospital now. So we don't know, like nobody can visit them, neither their families or... Uh, I've been posting this in my Facebook and uh, just uh, sending the voice out. Yeah, the only way I know you're okay is because I, I follow you on social media. It's very, I don't know, this is all just so tragic. And I, I'm surprised that the international community hasn't, I don't know, hasn't stepped up to help you. I, I, you must be frustrated. Do you feel like the world has forgotten about you or... I have friends on in social media, like close friends that I know them from so many years. They sent me messages like every night, like right now when I'm talking with you, like five friends, four friends has been sending me messages, just checking in and saying, how are you doing? I talk with the friends almost every night from Sweden, from Denmark, Norway, from the United States, from Germany, from Italy, like almost I talk with all my friends. People doesn't forget about us. That's the problem. The government of the being forgetting about us. I know people from the State Department. I know people from the American consulate in, uh, in Jerusalem. I know people from the American consulate in Bahrain, in Jordan. They ask about my daughter, about my wife, and how, how, how we are doing. So they just check in. And I'm, I know, and I'm very sure, like, if something happened to me, they're going to jump in and, and do their best uh, to, to help me and to help my family. Or if I get arrested, these people are, like, the one who's going to be fighting for me to be released. But the, the government itself, string government, are not doing, any, they're not doing that much. The Norwegian government, the Swedish government, the, the European Union, we know the United States won't, will never, ever support the Palestinian, no matter what. We know the United States is like uh, the one who's, who's being given Israel like all the guns and weapons and bombs that he used it in, uh, in Gaza. We know that Israel, uh, the United States is supporting Israel with everything that they are doing. We know that in the Legislative Council and in the UN, always they use the veto when it comes to Israel. Uh, but that doesn't mean like uh, I, I will create or hate the American people. There are so many American people, thousands and thousands of American people against what Biden administration or other administration are doing. And they are marching and demonstrating the street, the same thing in Europe. Uh, but we don't give up, man. We don't give up like the resistance. We don't give up the, uh, our resistance. We just, uh, we are just tired. We are just exhausted. Like, uh, this is like the biggest war ever happened against the Palestinian. We are so close to 25,000 people in 100 days. 
three, uh, th close to 300 like youth has been shot in the West Bank in, in, in 100 days. And uh, the world is still silent. The, the government are still silent. I don't know why, uh, but this is going to reach somewhere that uh, this is going to be like massive violence and that's going to affect the whole region. It's going to affect Jordan, it's going to affect Egypt, it's going to affect Syria, it's going to affect Lebanon, it's going to affect the Yemen. It's going to be like a war in the region just because the world is going to protect Israel. We are not. We are not saying we recognize Israel as the borders of 1967. We don't have problem with the Israeli people. Our problem is with the regime and with the Israeli government, with the settler, with the people who's like inside the government, with all those Knesset members that they, they just want to kill all the Palestinians. Mohammed, when I spoke to you last summer, you told me that the Hamas doesn't speak for you, PLO doesn't speak for you, and so... Obviously, the Hamas attacks were brutal and horrific, and you know everybody knows that. And uh, so you reject Hamas, but are you surprised that the Arab countries haven't come to your aid more? I mean, how do you see this playing out? The Arab countries are afraid of the movement inside the West Bank. They want the Palestinians to stay and to live under the occupation, and they want to do all of them normalization with Israel. Like, I want to ask you one question. When the attack happened in Las Vegas or in Boston, it was done by an American. Is this person, this American, he's American like you. Is this person represent all the American? Of course not. The same here. Hamas doesn't represent me. BLO doesn't represent me. I'm just a human being. This is a collective punishment. If you're if you're Hamas or if you're Fatah or if you are just Palestinian, you are in, even if you are not in. I'm not supporting anything that they are doing. I just don't want that violent to be. I just want to live. But you know, over 70 years of incubation, 75 years of incubation, before that 30 years of incubation by the British mandate, we're talking about almost 100 five years under the incubation. And we signed Oslo agreement. We recognize Israel. We were in a hope for 25 years after signing Oslo agreement that they will be, when they signed Oslo agreement, I was 17 years old. Now I'm 42. And I've been still hoping. Imagine, can you, can you handle this? Any human can handle this? I was I was not even thinking about getting married because I don't want I don't want to 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 have kids because I don't want my kids to suffer. I don't want my kids to suffer the same suffering I suffer myself. I sometimes I told my wife let's get and get out of here and just go seek asylum somewhere in Europe. But at the same time I say no this is my homeland this is my house this is my family this is my brother I cannot leave. I just want Israel to admit and America to say, yes, the Palestinians living under incubation. And we're trying to find a solution. But nobody is saying this. <clears throat> Sometimes, like, when I sit alone and late in the night or when, when the army uh, in the village, I just uh, ask myself, why the hell they are in, in this village that doesn't have 
lights in the streets and and from my roof i can look at tel aviv and i see tel aviv and it looks like new york from above why these people are here why they are not hanging out over there where they have like municipal park where they have bars where they have like uh discotheques where they have like all what they need and they just bother to be here uh our kids gelled at home because of that i was going to ask you about that Let, let's our get... students our students our students who's, who's studying at universities and at school at, they cannot go to the university in the near village the girls who studying at university they cannot go to the to because they they we've been harassed and uh, humiliated by the soldiers so muhammad i want to talk about okay so your family your wife and and your girls are mostly at home behind locked doors do they do your yes. daughters go to the skate park no they are 13 13 months uh, oh okay <laughs> they, i yeah i i took them twice when uh, but with my brother uh, and once with my friend in their car uh, but i want them i want them to be skaters i want them to be skaters i want them to one of them to be a skater one of them to be a singer but i'm not gonna force them i will see what they're gonna be and what they're gonna like in the future and i want them to live in peace i want them to to be like any other child around this world to be well, muhammad i have tremendous respect for you i could not handle what you're going through you are resilient You've been a, a political prisoner. You are helping children. And I have, you know, you're just a hero as far as I'm concerned. And I want to ask you. Thank you, my friend. I want to ask you. And, you know, you're in my thoughts all the time. I follow you on social media. I wish there was more that we could do. I will put links on the podcast to any links that you think would be helpful in terms of how people can help. I know that uh, people can make. Uh, tax deductible uh, don donations through the United States yeah. to yeah. State our, Kilia. Our skate Kilia. Yeah, because we are we are registered as uh, uh, as a non-profit organization in the United States. So they will be their their donation uh, as they paying uh, taxes to the government. Right, and this is totally not political. It just it, it you're transparent with your money. No, just go. Is, it just goes yeah, to this is going to the kids. Give them something to do uh, because they need this. I mean, they need an outlet. I mean, my God. I mean, we need right now to be honest with you. Uh, if the people can help us, like small support, and I'm here. I'm asking the people if they are willing to help us. The safety equipment for the kids, like helmets and elbows and stuff for the skateboarding. Because what we've been using for for six years already, we're using the safe safety equipment and the kind of broken. So if people can help us in getting like some of the safety equipment for the kids when they are skateboard, that will be great. Okay, we need to wrap up. Um, it, you know, you have an open invitation here, Mohammed, and um, if you want to come back uh, with updates and um, I really appreciate it. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap up? With all what I've been going through and suffer and seen in my life, I never imagined that we're going to get to this point, to this point of, of amount of violence, to this point to see the bodies in the streets. 
I never, I never imagined that or think that this is ever gonna happen. So I hope and everyone is listening to help and to push for peace, justice, and quality for poor people. We don't want the White House to decide for us what kind of peace that we want to make between us and Israel. We want them to be part of the agreement. And talking about two-state solution is not the best solution for both of us. The only solution is, and this is what I believe in, and a lot of people in the West Bank believe in one secular state solution. Both of us, both sides, Israeli side and Palestinian side, have religion, religious people. Those religious people, they are not going to stop us from getting the dreams of our kids. We need peace and end of, of violence and killing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Muhammad. And I hope, hope, hope for peace. Um, it seems elusive right now, and it's going to be hard to wrap this up on a positive note because it's hard to be positive. I wanted our listeners to hear what's happening there because I think that's important. So thank you. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate your sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much and wishing you a great day and uh, take care of your health. Get some lemon. <laughs> All right. That wraps up our show. Thanks to Giovanni. Until next time, be kind to yourself and others.